special edition of Two Sword Links Apart, this one an audio file. Today we begin with some pretty important news in the United States. So what's happened today is that the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, the House, the House of Representatives being the lower chamber, the Speaker has come out today after a big meeting with her entire caucus, the Democratic caucus, and she has now stated publicly that the um, the House of Representatives is opening an impeachment inquiry. Um, this is pretty big news because it's the fourth time this has been done in all of American history. Um, of course, we know that there were two attempts with President Andrew Johnson, who was um, narrowly convicted. He only um, escaped by one vote. And we had President Bill Clinton, who was impeached as well. And also, President Richard Nixon, um, the process of impeachment had started. There was an impeachment inquiry and articles of impeachment were going to be filed pretty soon. Um, so this is this is pretty interesting that this is happening because you could count the number of times this has happened on your finger. It's a very historic occasion. And I use that word very lightly because depending on what side of that political spectrum you are in the United States, you know, this might be a good thing, this might be a horrible thing. Um, it all depends. But what's happened today is really nothing. What's happened today is, and I know it should be important because I'm even doing a special um, audio version of this blog, um, but what's happened today, all that's really happened is Nancy Pelosi has finally put on the record in front of the American people, in front of the Democrats in her caucus, in front of the Republicans, in front of the Senate, and in front of the world, is her party, and specifically her house, she is the speaker, are investigating the president on whether or not he committed impeachment. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to just go over what a president can be impeached for. Because the Constitution is very specific as to what a president can be impeached for. I'd also like to go ahead and stipulate nobody has ever been impeached and convicted of impeachment. Um, and so before I explain exactly what a president can be impeached for, I do want to go ahead and tell you guys what the process of impeachment is, especially if you're not in the United States. You might not know what's going on. Um, maybe you're new to politics. You weren't really following anything when Bill Clinton was happening. Maybe you weren't alive when Bill Clinton was happening, or when Bill Clinton's impeachment was happening. Um, so what happens in impeachment is... The House of Representatives, the lower chamber of the United States Congress, what they do is they start with what they call a formal impeachment inquiry, in which depending on what the Speaker of the House at that time would like to do, whether they like to have a, spe um, a select committee, which is um, a special committee dedicated solely to investigating impeachment, or whether, um, you know, in this case, maybe the House Judiciary Oversight, Financial Services, and Foreign Affairs Committees, whether they are all going to um, investigate and then the House Judiciary Committee would begin formally impeachment inquiries. So there's two different options in which that can go. And again, this is so preliminary right now, we have no idea what is going to happen. All we know is that there is this impeachment inquiry. Once the impeachment inquiry begins, that's when Congress begins finding all their evidence. It's like a little mini court thing. They're, they're prosecutors, 
and their job is to collect the evidence that is going to go against the president. And now I do want to stipulate one thing. Impeachment is not just the impeachment of a president. It can happen of a vice president, of, in theory, a cabinet member. It can happen of a Supreme Court justice, and that's only ever happened once. It can happen to anybody who's in a high-level position in which the only way to remove them really is through this process. Um, if you've ever seen one of those fire um, alarms where it says break glass and pull down, that is essentially what impeachment was based for in the Constitution of the United States. So back to what I was talking about. Once the impeachment inquiry starts, the House of Representatives is going to start doing all of this thing. They're fact-finding. They're, they're trying to figure out. They're taking testimonies of different people from different events that have happened in the White House in this specific instant because we are investigating a president here. They're going to find out everything that went on in the White House in these little situations they're looking at. So, for example, the House of Representatives right now, they have quite a few things that if they wanted to, they could pursue. They could pursue... Um, this current scandal, the Ukrainian scandal, in which the United States President Donald Trump, he asked um, the president of, U of Ukraine, um, the new president, President Zelensky, to in, um, find out what's going on in, um, in relation to Joe Biden. And what, what's interesting in that is Joe Biden has a son, Hunter Biden, who was on the board of a prominent gas company, gasoline company in the ukraine and at the time there was a special prosecutor within the ukraine in the ukrainian government who was looking at um this gas company and vice president biden with a coalition of various countries around the world wanted to remove this special prosecutor because of some of the other things he was doing they didn't believe he was acting lawfully with some other things he was investigating and so what happened is Donald, um, the president of the United States Donald Trump he kind of internalized this and I, I don't want to accuse the president of being a conspiracy theorist because that's not my job but he kind of internalized it as maybe Vice President Biden was doing this uh, trying to remove the special prosecutor so that there's no pressure that ever have, comes to Hunter Biden, which, of course, if it was to have occurred, would have been a serious violation of his um, duties as the vice president of the United States. But at this time, and I want to stipulate this, I want to make this absolutely clear, there has been no evidence of this occurring. But the president of the United States, President Donald Trump, he thinks it did. And so when he talked to President Zelensky, he had just been... Um, elected into office when he was talking to President Zelensky he pressured him more than eight times according to various news outlets to look in to whether or not Vice President Biden removed the special prosecutor or attempted to remove the special prosecutor which and he was successful um, again several nations wanted him gone um, whether Vice President Biden wanted him removed in order to alleviate pressure from Hunter Biden um, and the problem with um, 
President Trump doing that is because if Vice President Biden, who is a Democratic contender for the nomination to go against President Trump in the 2020 U.S. presidential election, if he asked that, and again, that has not also been verified, but if he indeed asked that, that could almost amount to bribery if, and this is a big if that we're not 100% sure on, if the President of the United States withheld foreign aid and assistance to the Ukraine. Again, Ukraine, if we're looking at geopolitics, it's the northern half of Ukraine is very much pro-European. The southern half is very much pro-Russian. And again, it was a former member of the USSR. They have really been trying to stave off Russian aggression. And so we've, uh, the United States has been um, sending aid all the time. Well, not all the time, but they've been sending it a lot to the Ukraine in attempts to help them stave off this Russian aggression. And so in the terms of a quid pro quo, for example, a um, member of the Democratic Party, um, a member of Congress who's a Democratic Party um, uh, member in the House who is supporting impeachment might tell you, well, there was a quid pro quo because the president essentially very, very indirectly, um, or not very, very indirectly, but it can be assumed indirectly he was threatening to withhold this aid from the Ukraine so they would investigate Hunter Biden. And we know, of course, now that the Ukraine, the foreign aid that was supposed to be sent to them was um, delayed about a week before this call happened. And so if you were to talk to a member of the House and the Democratic Party supporting impeachment, they might tell you, that's your quid pro quo. And if that does occur, and again, this is a big if, we don't know all the facts yet, but if that occurred, that could potentially be a case for impeachment under the statute of bribery. Remember, I told you there are three reasons somebody can be um, indicted or, excuse me, impeached in the United States. One of them is treason. So disloyalty towards your country, bribery, so violation of maybe the emoluments clause, and what they call the other high crimes and misdemeanors. And so if all of this stuff, and again, another big if, if all this stuff turns out to be true, this could amount to the portion of bribery within the impeachment, one of the three reasons you can impeach a president or any other high um, level official. In the high crimes and misdemeanors part, that is where you start to get into the weeds. So when we're going back, think about the Mueller probe and, the, and um, Special Counsel Robert Mueller, his Russia probe. Remember, the first part said they could not establish a conspiracy. And there's still a little bit of a question about conspiracy versus collusion. In the report, it stipulates that collusion is colloquially known, or collusion is what is colloquially known for conspiracy and then when robert Mueller testified he tried to make a distinction and when he was pressed on it he said just look whatever's in the report and so we still don't 100 percent know but we can pretty much assume that there was no in layman's term collusion with the russian government and that was the first part of the Mueller probe. He went, um, Special Counsel Mueller, his team went into collusion. They went into all these tactics Russia was using to attempt to infiltrate the 2016 U.S. presidential election. And he went into great lengths about what they could be doing next. 
part two of his probe dealt with potential um, instances of obstruction of justice. And if the House, if their impeachment inquiry can find enough details about obstruction of justice, that could potentially be within the other crime, high crimes and misdemeanors. And they do actually have precedent for putting obstruction of justice within an impeachable category because President Richard Nixon, who ultimately resigned because he was most likely going to be convicted in the Senate, and President Bill Clinton were both, one of their articles of impeachment was under high crimes and misdemeanors, they committed obstruction of justice. And so this is very interesting when you think about it, because no president, not President Johnson, not President Clinton, and not President Nixon, none of them have actually ever been charged with anything other than other high crimes and misdemeanors. And so if the president, if this current president were to be officially charged and were charged with bribery by the House, that would be very interesting because it's one of those ones, it's very neat. Treason, bribery, very neat categories, and it should be pretty easy to prove those two. Here comes the second part. Then, after the impeachment inquiry, once the House Judiciary Committee, or if they choose to do a select committee, the select committee, once they approve these articles of impeachment, they go to the whole House, the whole House. So not just this committee that's looking into it, but all 435 odd members, Democrats, Republicans, Justin Amash, who was our one independent within the Congress, or within the House of Representatives, I should stipulate there are two technically independent senators in the Senate. Um, it will go to all of them and they will vote on impeachment. And if it reaches, again, that magic number, 219, the president has been officially impeached. That is when impeachment has... If you are impeached, all that means is that the, the U.S. House of Representatives has impeached you. It does not mean you were kicked out of office. It does not mean anything other than that. It means the U.S. House of Representatives has impeached you, meaning that they have formally charged you with a crime. And now the next step is the U.S. Senate. In the U.S. Senate, for those of you who are not domestic viewers, there are 100 seats in the U.S. Senate. There are two per state, and there are 50 states within the United States. So there are 100 senators. Now, you have to kind of go into U.S. domestic politics to really understand what's going to happen in this. There are 53 Republican seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. In other words, there are 53 Republicans who hold a Senate seat. There are 47, or uh, technically just 45, Democrats who hold seats in the Senate. And then there are two independents within the Senate. And those two independent senators, Angus King of Maine and Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, who I should tell you is vying for the Democratic nomination in 2020, they both caucus with the Democrats. And so when you figure all that in, you have a 53 to 47 split. You might be thinking, oh, well, that's not bad. All you need is to peel four senators away and get them to vote. And you have that 51 magic number majority. That's actually not how impeachment works. Similar to how the United Kingdom, their House of Commons must pass a resolution for a general, a snap general election with a two thirds majority. 
the U.S. Senate requires a two-thirds majority for um, impeachment, and that's actually for a lot of different things. They require a two-thirds majority. Um, it used to be you required a two-thirds majority to end a filibuster, um, to approve cabinet nominees. That's all been changed. Supreme Court justices, that's all been changed. Um, and so you need 67 senators. Now, if you were to assume all 47 Democratic senators were to vote for impeachment, and that is actually not a guarantee. Before 2020 ends, you're going to have quite a few Democrats who are actually in vulnerable states. You have Senators John Tester in Montana, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, and perhaps the, you know, the, the shock upset of potentially American politics in the recent years, Senator Doug Jones of Alabama. You have all these people trying um, to win their seats, hold their seats, to get, again, keep that, uh, that 47 seats and hopefully expand it into a majority. If you're a Democrat, that's what you want. Um, they're all going to, they might think in their best political senses, I have to vote against impeachment. And that makes that math even harder. And then there's very few Republicans. You might get Senator Susan Collins. You might get Senator Lisa Murkowski or Senator Mitt Romney of Maine, Alaska, and Utah, respectively, to vote for that. But the numbers don't add up unless a major tide change occurs within the Republican Party. There will be no conviction in the Senate. The president will be essentially acquitted. Impeachment's actually one of my favorite things to discuss. Um, it's not really good for the United States of America as a whole, but in terms of bringing in all three branches of government into one setting, it's, it's, it's very interesting. The Chief Justice of the United States, he's your judge in this trial. So when it makes it to the Senate, the person who sits in the Senate in that big chair in the front where the president pro tempore is normally supposed to sit or the vice president is supposed to sit, the chief justice of the United States would sit there. And you would have the entire 100 U.S. senators sitting there, and it's a trial. And those 100 people are the jury. The prosecutors are going to be... Um, members of uh, the majority, so the Democratic Party, in the House, and they're called councils. And then you're going to have defenders, um, the defendants of this trial, which would probably be the Republican members of the U.S. House of Representatives, the committee that investigates this. And they're essentially going to try to persuade the Senate. Here's the thing. Politics has become way too tribalized. In, in the United States. They might listen to all of that, and there might be some damning evidence, there might not. These 100 senators are gonna listen to that, and a good 70% are not going to care. They are gonna say, I'm a Democrat, I gotta vote for impeachment. I'm a Republican, I gotta vote for impeachment, or I gotta vote against impeachment, and I should clarify it's not impeachment, it's conviction. Um, and so that is the current state of play here. But this is a big move because in terms of Democrats, Democrats have claimed for a while now they're being obstructed. Um, the president isn't um, as, uh, complying with what Congress says. Congress is supposed to be the strongest, uh, strongest of the three branches. They're blatantly obstructing law. They're blatantly refusing to um, adhere to the laws. 
Well, an impeachment inquiry strengthens their claims in the court of law. A judge would say, well, you're under an um, a judge could potentially say, well, the Democrats are, or the U.S. House of Representatives is currently investigating impeachment. And as such, this person should be compelled to testify and you must answer the questions. No executive privilege. So there could uh, this can very well strengthen their argument to get people to testify people who have refused like um hope hicks former white house communications director don mcgann former white house counsel um amy donaldson don mcgann's assistant all these people who they've been wanting to hear from they might be forced or you know the the democrats hands might be in a better stronger position to force them to come and testify and so that's really the big thing about this formal impeachment inquiry. But also within domestic politics, it also signals something. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, believes that there is enough caucus support and there is going to be enough public support. The reason the Speaker hasn't wanted to do impeachment for so long is because A, not a lot of people understood the Russia probe, and B, there wasn't public support for impeachment. She sees that this Ukraine thing is very simple for people to understand. And I think it's pretty simple as well, because I was able to explain it to you within this small podcast. Um, or technically, it's a blog post that's audio. And she was able and it's going to be something she can help with her to move public opinion and so that is really the reason she was doing this and that's why this is such a big move it's because nancy pelosi now thinks i'm in a position she's in a position to persuade the american people thank you for watching this audio or listening to this audio version of two sword lengths apart we'll be doing this probably very infrequently but we hope you stick along <laughs>